seats now for Children's Church if they haven't already left. Make sure I get 1 Corinthians 15 up here. Okay, so I got my, um, I think I do, did I lose it? I got my, my uh, laser thing one more time. So, so today's message, it's, it's got an interesting title, I think, uh, First Fruits and the Last Enemy. And so I think that's what we're going to talk about a little bit. We're going to review kind of what we did last week in regards to the Passover and Jesus being the, the fulfillment of the Feast of Unleavened Bread, because he was the sinless unleavened bread, and he was also the Passover lamb. And Jesus was crucified, of course, we you know, on Passover. And we're going to talk about the first fruits. Let's go to the next slide, and we'll kind of do a review. Oh, wow, look at that pretty thing I did. Okay, let's go to the next one. And if we take a look at what we did last week, we see that we have that the Passover was, was um, uh, on the 14th of Nisan, and then, of course, they had um, the Sunday after the Passover. So we had the, the Passover could be any time. It could be Tuesday, Wednesday, whatever. The Sunday after that Sabbath, that next, that was the Feast of the First Fruits, where they celebrated the first harvest of the spring. So that's how this whole thing works out here. And of course, then you've got the seven weeks and plus one days, the 50 days to the Feast of Pentecost, the Feast of Shavuot, which of course is, is 50 days after Passover. But that's kind of where we are. So let's go to the next slide. And the Feast of First Fruits was we celebrated the first day after the, pass, after the Passover, the first Sunday, excuse me. Observation was bringing the sheaves of barley into, oh, remember the old song? Bringing in the sheaves, bringing in the sheaves, we shall come rejoice. I was everybody else sang today, so I wanted to sing. But I always thought it was bringing in the sheets. I mean, when I was a little kid, I was like, why are we bringing sheets in? You know, I don't understand. But you would bring in the sheaves, the first barley harvest, to thank the Lord and to be anticipating the full harvest that was going to be coming. And the theme surrounding first fruits was new life, new birth, and of course, the first harvest. Now if we move on, now we take a look at in A.D. 30, 1 Corinthians tells us that Jesus is the first fruits of all those who will be resurrected. It's in the Bible. I, res- I recommend today read 1 Corinthians 15. That's your assignment, your devotional for today, because it is the, the passage on the resurrection. And so it says right here, in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. Now, isn't that ironic that in A.D. 30, when Jesus was crucified, he was crucified during Passover at the beginning of the unleavened bread. He was in the grave for three days and he resurrected on the festival of first fruits. Now, if Passover had been on Tuesday, he couldn't have been in the grave three days because that means he had to raise to dead on Thursday. So we had it, so Passover, in order to fulfill Scripture, had to fall on Friday, Thursday night, but Friday, so that we had one, two, three. So Jesus fulfilled the Passover, he fulfilled the unleavened bread, and he was resurrected on the first fruits that year to fulfill the festival of first fruits as the very first person resurrected. So that's your history lesson. Now we'll go on. So why is that significant? It's significant because Jesus' resurrection provided the death. I see people pointing. At least the young people recognize who's up there. If I went through there, I'm see, look at that. They're smiling. They're pointing. They're going, yes, there's um, Sauron. There's Dr. Doom. That's uh, Darth Vader, Thanos, the Wicked Witch, Voldemort, and Magneto. Ha! How about that? 
give myself a high five for that. These are not the enemies. They are the villains in all of the Marvel movies and all the other things that we've grown up watching. These are not the enemies. The last enemy, it's been in the songs today. It's been in the, in the words spoken. First Corinthians tells us that at the end of time when Christ rules on his throne, that the last enemy to be destroyed will be death. And that is our last enemy. It says in, in Ephesians, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but powers and principalities. The ultimate goal is, of course, spiritual death. And Jesus Christ, because he rose again, conquered death. So death is the very last enemy. In 1 Corinthians 15, again, I'm going to go through that a lot. Death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is your sting? Oh, Hades, where is your victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory over death through our Lord Jesus Christ. And in Revelation, and we move on to Revelation, it talks about it. Revelation 20:14 and 21:4 says, "And death and Hades were cast into the lake of fire, and God shall wipe away every tear from their eyes, and there shall be no more death." And it goes on, there's going to be no more sickness, no more sorrow. And that's what we look forward to as a believer in Jesus Christ. And the resurrection makes all of this possible. Because if Jesus would have died as a sacrifice, oh, that's, we, he, it was necessary. He had to have shed blood. Hebrews says, without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sins. He had to shed his blood. He had to be the sinless sacrifice. But if he stayed in the ground, Christianity's worthless. If he stayed in the ground, he'd just been a martyr. He would not have been the son of God. He died a bodily death to prove he was human. He rose victorious to prove he was God. So he had both of those going for him. I'm sorry, that's something. He had both of those going for him. So we go to the resurrection. The resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead is the foundation of the Christian belief. If there was no resurrection, and Paul says this again, 1 Corinthians 15. I had to print out because I was going to be turning pages here. 1 Corinthians 15, he says that if there is no resurrection, our faith is futile. We are still in our sins. And we're wasting our time. And we're to be pitied. So we love Christmas. We love the, the baby Jesus and celebrating Christmas. And of course, we've turned it into a commercialized you know, um, disaster in our, in our lifetime. But we love celebrating the baby Jesus. He had to come. He had to be born of a virgin. Okay? He had to be born of a virgin because he had to be sinless. He had to be perfect. And we celebrate Good Friday. We observe Good Friday. We, we, we agonize and we are sorrowful over the death of Jesus Christ and what he did and what he went through for us. But if that's where it ended, our faith would be futile and our, our religion, our belief would be worthless. The truth of the event of Jesus' resurrection is incontrovertible, the best attested fact in human history. And I'll I'll get into that a little bit. So let's take a look at some assurances. What assurances does the resurrection give us? Okay, Mark, we'll give it to you. Okay, Jesus was resurrected. So what? Okay, well, that's a big deal. That's, That's like the big deal. First of all, the resurrection is one of the major evidences that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. As I said, his death proved that he was human, and his resurrection proved that he was God. Romans 1.4 says, And who through the Spirit of holiness was appointed the Son of God, in power by his resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ, 
our Lord. So the resurrection was absolutely necessary in order to prove his divinity and his deity. If we take a look at the second, second assurance is Jesus' resurrection represents the assurance that we can have forgiveness and redemption from our sins. 1 Corinthians fifteen fourteen through 17 says, And if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless, so is your faith. For if the dead are not raised, then Christ has not been raised either. So we have to understand that if he was the first resurrection, but the Sadducees, remember back in the day, they didn't believe in the resurrection. In fact, if he's preached the resurrection, then that was blasphemy, which is part of the reason why Christ was tried, um, was one of the charges against him was blasphemy, because he was talking about the resurrection. But if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile. And the last part of that is, you are still in your sins. So Jesus Christ covered our sins with the blood and took care of our sins. However, in order to validate it, Jesus Christ had to rise on the third day according to the scriptures. So we have the second assurance. The first assurance is it proves that Jesus was the Son of God. The second assurance is that it proves that we have our forgiveness and our remissions of, remission of sin, which is sealed up and validated by the resurrection. The third assurance is the resurrection tells the world that the kingdom of God is ruled by a living sovereign. Revelation 1, 17 through 18 says, Then he placed his right hand on me, this would be the angel, this is John writing, and said, Do not be afraid, for I am the first and the last. I am the living one. I was dead and now look, for I am alive forever and ever. He was the angel touched him and he looked and saw Christ. And Christ was saying that, I am alive. If you take a look at this, I found this small cartoon slide, but I went ahead and made a new one on this next slide. Here's all of the, the tombstones. Of course, I made them up. The tombstones. Here's Dalai Lama's, Buddha, Muhammad, Karl Marx. I've got philosophical leaders. Sorry, I went through that. The founders of all other religions and atheistic philosophies are dead, and their bones lie dormant in the earth. Only Jesus is alive. We've got Buddha, Muhammad, Marx, Confucius, Joseph Smith, Darwin, Sun Young Mood, Immanuel Kant. All of these individuals started a philosophical or religion. They're all dead. Jesus Christ is the only one that is alive. So the resurrection proves and validates again that we are saved and we are taken care of and we have a future because Jesus is alive. Fourth, Jesus' resurrection proves that physical death is not the termination of human existence. And that's why we opened up with that the last enemy is death. Jesus' resurrection gives us that first fruits, that proof that we are going to be resurrected in the last days. And that's what the Christian hope is. God, who is the giver of life, has the power to reanimate, reconstruct, and resurrect the human body. And I could go and speak all day on resurrection and rapture and what's going to happen when, when the Lord comes back and raptures us and gives us our glorified bodies and we meet him in the air 
and we are reconstructed and given glorified bodies, and we go up, of course, and we dwell with him until he comes back for the second coming to rule in Jerusalem. And like I said, I could go off for the next 30 minutes on that. But that is what the proof is. It gives us that physical death is not the termination. There are many religions that, that teach annihilation, that they teach that you are one with the world, that you, you know, you're reincarnated. You know, it's like, oh, how does a Zen Buddhist order a hot dog? He says, make me one with everything. Okay, it takes a while to bounce back and forth, I know, on that one. But it's reincarnation. It's an eightfold step path. It's a works-based. We don't have to worry about anything like that. Christ's triumph over the grave is heaven's pledge to us that we too shall be raised. And the proofs... Well, if you go into the proofs, in addition to the numerous recorded accounts, there were witnesses to his post-resurrection body. Here's the beginning of, of 1 Corinthians that Paul said. For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the Scriptures. All of this was prophetic. And he was buried, he was raised today in accordance with the Scriptures, that he appeared to Cephas, or Peter, then to the twelve, Then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have died. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles. Last of all, as to one untimely born, he appeared also to me, meaning Paul. And Paul always referred to him as a adopted, not worthy apostle of Christ because he had spent his most of his early adult life persecuting Christians. And when Christ appeared to him and called him. And so all of these... Um, appearances and witnesses. I've got a lesson that I'd like to teach in the science school class. It's the ten proofs you know, of the resurrection and, and all of the witnesses and the historical accounts that even Josephus and other historians that weren't Christian attested to the fact. And you'll find that there's rumors that people said, okay, Jesus' body was stolen. In fact, when the soldiers went back to the Pharisees and they said, where is he? Because they had the tomb sealed because he had told everybody that he was coming back to life in three days, and they said, we, won't want his, we don't want his disciples coming and stealing the body and pretending that it happened. So they sealed it, they put guards. Well, we know what happened. There was an earthquake, the stone moved away, the, the, the guards fell, they fainted out of fear, and when they got up, Jesus was gone. So they slinked, slinked back to the, 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 the religious leaders and said, um, you're not going to believe what happened. And he told them, the religious leaders, because they were assigned by the Roman, the Romans to guard that, if, if they would have gone back and told the Romans that that happened, they would have been executed. So the religious leaders paid them off and said, hush your mouth, just tell everybody that, that you fell asleep and that his disciples came and stole the body. And the Bible says, and that rumor persists to this day. And the, the Jewish leader says, we'll take care of it. We'll protect you. Just hush your mouth and don't say anything about Jesus being rose from the dead. So there, it's, an attested, it's an attested event that people have written about. There were hundreds, of, there's more witnesses to this event. Jesus physically bodily appearing after he was physically bodily dead than many, many other historical events. The number of witnesses could not have perpetuated a hoax for that long and with that much sacrifice. Because we know other than John, all 12, the 11 other 11 apostles were, were executed, tortured for their faith. 
You're, you know, once you get to that point, you're going to spill the beans and go, okay, you're right, we've been joking the whole time. You're not going to carry that to the death unless you absolutely believe it. So we need to take a recap and return and reflect. I know that many of us may have plans after the service, and we have a wonderful uh, way of closing the service today. And again, I just want to thank all of those um, who have participated both in putting the uh, the potluck together and the music and worship time today. And Lee, I guess I don't know who's blessed more, you or me, Lee, but you know what? We'll uh, we'll flip a coin for it. But here's the recap. God's amazing, merciful love and His Son, Jesus' sacrificial love, paved the way for a right relationship and eternity with Him. That's the simple plan of salvation. Our sin separates us from God. And Jesus bridges that. There's the only way. Acts 4.12 says, There's no other name under heaven given to man that can be, by which we can be saved. Jesus Himself said in John 14, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So we may well have Good Friday, and we have Easter, and we celebrate, and we, we spend time with family, and we go, you know, it's just, it's just another religious holiday, Christian holiday. It's not. It is the Christian holiday, Easter is, because without salvation through Jesus Christ, we're doomed. But just, there is no, God can't be in the presence of sin. And Jesus shed blood and his resurrection covers that. Christ's resurrection conquered death confirmed his divinity and guarantees our resurrection upon his return. I just would love to go off for the next 20 minutes on the rapture, but I won't. Another thing, he is, somebody said good. Uh, he is risen, he is alive, and he's coming back. And I was talking to someone this morning in the foyer, and I said, after my message, you know what, I, I talk about the fact the New Testament, Christians agree, greeted one another with, he is risen, and you always came back and said, he is risen, he is risen indeed. My point is that we should respond with, He is risen, we should respond with, and He's coming back. I think that's where we're living. We are living in that time in the first century, absolutely. Jesus is risen. He's risen indeed. 2,000 years later, yes, He's still risen indeed, but He's coming back. That is the faith. That is our hope, and that is our foundation. And one bullet I skipped, and that's kind of an introduction to next week, there are more references to the second coming of Christ in the Bible than his first. Okay, think about that. Think about all the prophecy that has just been fulfilled in this past week. From the triumphal entry, Lo, Israel, your Lord shall, your King shall come riding on a lowly donkey. Everything from Palm Sunday through to this morning, the resurrection, was fulfilled scripture in the Old Testament. That's a whole lot. And you go back to Christmas, to Christmas and Jesus' birth, where he was born, Bethlehem, at, at the most ironic time in history. Why would it be that time? All of this was prophetic. Well, guess what? There's more references to Christ's second coming and his return than there is to his first. Next Sunday, we're going to be taking a look at the ten signs or the ten characteristics of the return of Christ. I don't want to leave him in heaven. He's resurrected. He went up to heaven. Acts one eleven. Why do you see? Why do you come, men of Galilee? Why do you stare at Jesus? He just went up to heaven. He's going to come back in that same manner. And so next week, ten characteristics of the return of Christ. So anyway, I just want to close with it with another prayer. I had a short sermon this morning, but I just wanted us to, to just kind of understand just how important the resurrection is and a relationship with Jesus Christ. And I know we'll be closing with a song, and I just want you to celebrate. Friday night, we filed out of the sanctuary with the lights off. 
quiet, asked you not to talk, just, you know, as, as a reverence because Jesus was in the ground. One other thing, sorry, I have to go on another. <laughs> Jesus was not, Jesus' body was in the grave from Friday to Sunday morning, but he wasn't. He was busy. If you read the Bible, Jesus was down unlocking paradise and getting the Old Testament saints out of there and taking him up to heaven. Because he said, I hold the keys to death in Hades. And he went down and unlocked the door to Hades because Hades was also the paradise and hell, two sides. He unlocked the paradise side and said, I'm here. All of those Old Testament saints were there because their faith in God was credited to them as righteousness, but they could not be in the presence of God without Jesus having died. And so he gave them the keys to come. So while his body, he was running around the spirit world, letting saints out and getting them up to heaven and praying in front of the, the demons in hell and going, nah, nah. it says that in the Bible. It doesn't say nah, nah. But he was showing that I am now victorious. And he knew that Satan knew that his time was short, even though it's been 2,000 years. So Jesus barely got back to his body in time on Sunday morning to, to resurrect because he was doing so much other stuff. He wasn't sitting quiet on Saturday, just to want you to know that. Okay, let's pray again, and let's bring up the worship team. Father God, thank you so much for this Resurrection Sunday. I know, I'm sorry, I'm just, I'm just got so much energy right now, I can't stand it. Thank you, Father God, for your love to us, for your mercy, for your grace, and for the resurrection of your Son, Jesus Christ. For there is no other name under heaven by which we can be saved. Thank you, God, for all you've done. Thank you for this beautiful, amazing, wonderful day. And for those that have made it possible and have sacrificed their time and their talents, we ask these things in Jesus' name, and we look forward to his return. Amen.